our one and only show of the week. I've been doing other stuff, so I've been really, really busy. You'll find out why uh, probably here a little bit shortly, but I got a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff in the in, in the pipeline. Um, but I wanted to do a show because I love you guys so, so much. We are brought to you by Black Swan Tactical. You can find Black Swan Tactical at blackswantactical.com. Joe, how are you doing? Check this out. The new patches are in. Let me see. Put that up there. Until the end of the show, there are $5 via Super Chat or the website. After the show, they're going to go up to $7. As you can tell, I'm wearing a, I don't know if you can tell, but a Uncle Sam's Misguided Children's shirt, which uh, you can get 10% off by going to unclesamsmisguidedchildren.com. You need the code... Um, using the code uh, Crumpy. Yep, that's it. Or you can go to Black Swan Tactical and use the code Crumpy as well. This is that right here is from Black Swan Tactical. Now, I am going to bring on a guy here. Recently, the Republican Party Committee. Awesome, Joe. That's awesome. Congratulations. Joe is a freaking phenomenal guy, and I'm so glad that you got elected to the committee. You should do some good out there. I have my full faith in you. I just want to remind everyone I have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash John Crump Super Chats. Or you can just PayPal me. PayPal.me forward slash John CC. And here's the thing. Everything I make, everything I make, even for my book sales, which you can get at Crumpy.com slash Giants, goes to my niece, Bella who has DIPG. I don't want to get into too much, but we got some horrible news, and she's going to really need everyone's prayers and money, to tell you the truth. Um, yeah. But uh, let's not get too depressed. Let's go ahead and bring in the, the guest. Our guest today is a fisherman, which is kind of funny to have a fisherman on, and we'll find out why in a second. But let me introduce him. His name is Captain Tim Peterson from Captain Captain Peterson's the YouTube channel. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, let me let me. I just want to see that shirt. I'm going to bring you up total. There it is, Captain Captain Peterson's. Oh, oh, is, oh hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, the American gang? flag. Ballista Gang, that is yeah, awesome. Yeah, Ballista Gang makes them. People wear these shirts, and they're like, dude, this is the most softest shirt ever. And my wife stole it from me, and they sleep in it. So go to Ballista Gang. You can pick up some of these. And this is uh, the YouTube channel. Oh, that Portland is awesome. Fishing. You, you know what's really funny about that? What's that? I have you on the uh, show. And if we ever meet, i never going to go fishing with you. You're never going to go fishing with me. Uh, might be a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, I don't start fishing until 10 miles out, so you know, not, that's not for everybody. Well, no, no, I mean, I, I, I'll sit there on a boat. That's no problem. But you're I, have, to I have a fish allergy. Oh, well, yeah, we talked about this last time, I think. Yeah, maybe we did. Yeah, well, that's too bad. I mean, we get you on, like, one of them bubble suits, like the round bubble things, like the boy in the bubble. Yeah, thank you, Joe, so much for the $25. Yeah, we can. Yeah, just so I don't touch it. Um, every once in a while, I'll have, like, a mix-up, especially with Chinese food. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I always. I mean, they use, like, a lot of shellfish and, uh, and whatnot. 
you know, maybe we can get you like a uh, mop suit from the military and get you a big you know, gloves and the, and the gas mask and everything. Yeah, my my wife hates those suits. She used to have to walk. You, she's in the military. Yeah, she used to have to walk around Osan Air Base with these big mop suits. Dude, I was at Osan for a year, and that son of a gun was hot in the summertime. We had multiple people. They used to load bombs and missiles on F-15s and F-16s, and then the 20 millimeter Gatling guns, rockets, all this kind of stuff. And we'd have to do that in full mop suits in 95 degree heat. We'd have people just totally fall out. You know need uh, IV bags and all kind of stuff. Well, that's what she was. She's a doctor. And that's what she would tell me. She was like, yeah, they're like people used to pass out all the time. Well, the crazy thing is the new J-list suits uh, are way better. We got a car driving. I don't know if you can hear me. I'm trying to make this live scenery for you guys. Uh, so, yeah, we had the old suits that were like had thick charcoal and you had to wear them over your BDUs and those were really bad. When I was in Korea in 2001, 2002 at Osun Air Force Base, 36 fighter squadron, uh, fiends, flying fiends. Sorry, it wasn't a bunch of units. I'm trying to remember which one that was. Uh, we got the JLIS suits. We were the first unit in the entire United States military to get the JLIS suits because of the whole threat from North Korea and their chemical weapons. So we were the first ones to do it. They were way better, I promise. Yeah. Who, uh, what year were you in Osun? Right before 9-11, like 9-4, I, I left Osan. So I was on leave in Minneapolis, which is in my speech, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit later. Uh, and I watched the first one hit the Twin Towers. I just woke up. I was watching you know, NBC or something. And uh, I seen the second one hit. And within two hours, my flight chief called me and said, Peterson, get your butt down here. You're going to Afghanistan. And I was like, well, okay. So I hopped in my uh, Toyota Tacoma and started driving from Minneapolis to Nellis. And I got there and they changed their mind and they took a different unit. But I mean, you know, who knows what would have happened if I would have went. I mean, some of the guys that went uh, initially, especially in the Air Force as weapons troops, um, some of them took fire because they were out in, you know, uh, airfields that were, you know, just kind of in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, you know, I'm. You never know uh, how the, the the quarter is going to get flipped and what side you're going to get. Yeah, I have a I have a friend that was in the in the elite unit that used to go out and set up airfields uh, and stuff like that. They were they're known as the weathermen. Yeah, was he, he was a, he had a gray beret probably. Yeah. Yep. Pe people don't realize yeah. they're like we do I do weather stuff. And, and you think no, it's like they jump. I mean, they're I know they do horses. Like it's ridiculous. I know. And they're super the smart too. They go through a lot of training, like for the meteorology, meteorology yeah. stuff. Say that three times back. Yeah, but whenever you talk to him, he's like, whenever someone asks, "What did you do?" And oh, I just did weather stuff. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of people kind of downplay what they did in the military because you know, start getting a lot of different questions. You know, and sometimes it's not always fun to talk about some of the stuff you've done. Yeah, I mean, but they're like, they're actually combat troops. I mean, they'll jump, uh, go out there with like berets and green berets, whoever, seals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's like the, one of the most hum humble guys. Well, most of the guys that have done the most, you know, uh, butt kicking stuff, I swear a lot, I just muted myself. Um, <laughs> they, uh, they essentially are usually probably the ones that say the least about the things that they've done. You know, and 
it's uh, it's troubling, especially when people that you know that have served uh, have have people come at them and say that they have stolen dollars. Because you know, anybody that's been a veteran can talk to any other veteran within you know five ten minutes. Know if they're full of crap or not. And yeah, you know that's a friend of of mine recently had somebody try to call him out on that. It was complete hogwash. And, yeah, there's not much worse you could say about somebody other than them, you know, touching little kids or rape or something. You know, I mean, it's that is what it is. People want attention, and fortunately, in today's political world, especially, people will say whatever they can or do to, you know, to get uh, cheap likes, if you will. Was your friend a uh, was your friend a um, a uh, YouTuber? All right, I know who you're talking about. I know the whole situation, and uh, he definitely does not have stolen valor. No, he doesn't. I mean, I spent a weekend with him. I've known him for over a year. I mean, he's been at, at bases I've been at. He's, I mean, I don't know if you want to put people's business on the streets. It's just kind of a, a generality. And, um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's terrible. But what are you going to do, you know? And at the end of the day, uh, I always... I, you know, core values lead the way. I had a, I was a recruiter in the Army too for a long time for the National Guard in Minnesota and the same neighborhood, you know, once down there where George Floyd was, was murdered. And one of the guys that I enlisted, I think he was my last enlistment or maybe my second to last enlistment back in like 2013. And I listed 20 soldiers or something and probably had my hands on listing a thousand, you know, because I had people that worked for me in my office and stuff. And this guy, he's now a cop. And he was telling me how tough it was to be a cop now. And I told him, you know, as a recruiter of somebody and a drill sergeant and their first line leader, you kind of have like this unique relationship with them. And I told him, I said, look, dude, like at the end of the day, it's about core values. And unfortunately, the core values of police departments haven't been probably where they should be. Um, and it's been that way a long time, unfortunately, when it, when it comes to, you know, race and stuff. Um, and now people are just starting to see it on camera. And, you know, it takes good officers like yourself that have good core values to, to hold these other officers accountable for, for their actions. And until that happens, you know, we're going to have this trouble. And I said, you know, him and some other guys that I've brought down for these veteran fishing trips I do, you know, some of them. I've had guys in my truck crying to me saying they had a gun in their mouth, but since coming down on the fishing trips and being connected with other veterans, they're back at home and working in, you know, some of them in, in law enforcement, firefighter capacity, these kind of things. And, um, you know, they're, people are struggling with this, man. And it's, it's tough to see good police officers, you know, have to deal with that, but like with great power comes great respect and, you know, we're just going to have to, you know, there's this big thing in this country. They, when people talk about like, oh, in the news, they say America is a racist country or whatever. You know, America is not a racist country. You know, we still have a problem with racism, unfortunately. And I don't think that's ever going to go away in the history of the world. Um, but it's just, you know, since Selma, things have gotten a hell of a lot better. And, you know, even since I was a kid, things have gotten a lot better. But to pretend like it ain't there ain't right either. So we got to kind of just chip away and have some marathon and, and work. And, you know, 
in regards to this, you know, free Americans of all colors and creeds destroyed the Nazis and liberated the racist concentration camps. Like, we've done a lot of good things in this country together, especially in the military. And if anybody can get our country back on track with that, it's us veterans because, you know, people look up to us, whether we're in or, or out. You know, we have a special, special thing. That's why I do these veterans trips and, you know, we got a big thing coming up here, uh, Veteran Shark Week with Iraq Veteran 8888, uh, Sailor Jerry's coming down. We got 20 veterans from Reunite the Fight and Hero Hunt Inc. coming down to go fishing. It's a whole week of shark fishing. We're going to shoot a shark in the face. Brown Isles is sponsoring us for that. So the Salt Life, um, hook fishing, tuna skins, expensive boats, um, resort vacation, properties in St. George Island, giving a huge house in the Gulf of Mexico. It's going to be a great time. And I've already posted some things. I've got my there's a special permit you need to, to shoot sharks in the base. Um, or to shoot sharks in federal waters past nine miles. And there's only a handful of guys that have it. I got the permit and I posted it online with my BRN 180, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I put over it like shark hunting permit. And you know, PETA's head, PETA people heads exploded. And I know that once we put a video of us doing it, it's probably going to break the internet but you know people are going to hate on me but i don't care because for thousands of years hunters and fishermen have went out and caught and killed big game and animals and brought it back to their community and shared it with others and have been revered but only in the last 50 years or so people want to make it to be like this thing that you know we're sadists or something i don't get it but there's a lot of things in this country that are good there's a lot of things that are challenging and we're continually um living by our core values so that people don't you know they can't just keep talking crap essentially um yeah you know what i think that PETA is the one of the most hypocritical organizations on the face of the planet yeah I mean, not even close. There's no organization that's as hypocritical as PETA. I mean, I think what happens with all of these large organizations, like in our world, like the NRA and, and civil rights, like Black Lives Matter and, and these kind of organizations, is like it's like this good nugget of something good that people want to stand up for and be a part of. And like buttheads get in charge of it and turn it into this big thing that you know, it, it really wasn't what it meant to be. And they just, it's kind of like, and I'm not saying this about all people that are religious, but certain people, you know, especially in the news, there's been all these Catholic priests doing things to boys and things like people take advantage of good things and they, they, they use it for own personal gain. And it's frustrating and it's terrible. And it goes back to the whole core values deal. Like, you know, every organization, whether it's a couple guys or a team or a country, like, you know, we, we're all uh, judged by those core values and we're either part of the team based on them or we're not. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see that. I can definitely see that. And uh, I think that's one of the good things that the military does. It instills these core values in people. Um, it's interesting. I mean, there's some bad apples in the military, but it seems like, but I think it seems like, there were a lot less bad apples in the military than in, like in police departments, for example. And I think a lot of it has to go to 
actually, hey, I'm willing to go over there, fight, and maybe die for you guys back here. And I think that that pride is something that you can't readily um, get in any other organization. I'm not military. My wife is, but I, I feel the pride in her and her core values in her. And I think a lot of it comes from the military. You know, as a recruiter, people always talk about, like, people join the military because they want to be like you. And, you know, when I was a young recruiter, I thought, you know, I had a nice car and I was in shape, not in better shape than I am now, of course. And, um, you know, I had a house and things. And I grew up in the inner city and a lot of people that I grew up with didn't have those things when I did. So I figured, you know, I had my degree and I had a car with fancy wheels and all this stuff. And, like, I thought that's what it was about. But the older you get, the more you realize that people want to be led. And I don't mean like a puppy or nothing. Like, um, more like in, in our society, people don't have, like, this big thing they have to do to pass on to adulthood, manhood, or womanhood, or whatever. You know, like the Spartans did, and bad example maybe but like the hitler youth did you know what i mean like there's like their societies had a thing where you grow up and you become what you're gonna be and like the koreans they have you know mandatory service obligations and it doesn't always mean the military they can be firefighters or law enforcement um, you know maybe we can have something that's more like that you know people in the peace corps people you know, there's like this uh, USA Jobs Corps to be something to do so that even people that are wealthy could do something for even a year so they can give back to their community, you know, before they start getting their trust fund or something. I don't know. Like, there's no challenge for people to go through to prove themselves. So you have these people that sit in their basement, eat Cheetos and play video games, and they're just kind of like stuck in this like level development and they don't so they kind of get past it until they're 28 or something i guess i don't know. i don't understand it personally but that's like a thing i mean i can i understand what you're saying i i do um i'm not sure if i'm on the same page with you as um, like the the mandatory service i think that everything should be volunteer but you know i'm very libertarian <laughs> yeah. so that's probably why um but i can see what you're saying um it does help people build and there there is there are countries that have like mandatory service um maybe if it was like you said expanded to like fire fighting you know like peace corps type stuff mandatory military service is something that i'm extremely no, no, I, I wasn't uh, advocating for military yeah yeah I know, I know you weren't but not everybody going. should be in the military for sure even a lot of people that think they want to be in the military shouldn't be in the military. I got stories for days about that, but yeah, man, there's, there's different ways to give back to your community uh, without, especially when you're young, you're still trying to figure yourself out because the, the big part you talk about the core values of the military, like me and a bunch of vets were together this weekend and we were talking about like what that did for us and, it, and how our relationship with people of different socioeconomic backgrounds and race and then us traveling abroad and serving with other country soldiers and sailors and airmen and marines like like you get a world perspective and unfortunately 
seems like more and more in this country, people don't travel outside of the country. And if they do, it's like to like the hotel in Jamaica or Cancun. And they don't like people are kind of just stuck in this this way. And we get this is the best country in the face of the earth that's ever existed. Don't oh, yeah. get me wrong. But like there are some stuff we could probably learn from some of these folks. And uh, I feel like a large part of the country is never going to even try to, to look into that. You feel me? Like, and it and it's it's troubling. Yeah, I definitely do feel you. I definitely do feel you. Um, and I, I traveled. I, I traveled for work. I lived in Manila for a while in That's Southeast crazy. Asia, and I yeah. Well, unless you travel, and my wife, my wife is. A European, so we go to Europe a lot. A Sicily, Palermo, um, if you want to know the exact spot. But it does give you a sense of what it, it, what it means to be an American and how lucky that we are. Um, right, dude. Every time the, you come back, like you get off the plane and you you like go, you're like, man, this place is nice as hell. Like, yeah. Either, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it's just you go and you see how little people live with, and you come back to your house and you're like, I didn't think my house was that nice, but now you have like a whole new appreciation for how nice your house is. You know what I mean? It keeps you grounded. And I feel like if I don't travel at least overseas every three to four years, I start getting sucked into the bye 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 American dream. Don't get me wrong, I got nice stuff. But like there's a balance there that I feel like I'm always trying to figure out. Yeah, one of the things that I found when I lived in Southeast Asia was our poor and therefore two totally different right. things. Yeah, they're poor on the ground begging like like puppies beg, you know. It, I mean kids selling gum and you know, you know that half the time they probably got some mafia dudes making them sell eight pieces of gum a night or they don't get a Twinkie or I don't know what some well, story and, that's probably worse than we think it is. Well, in Sicily what they do is it's not so much the Italians, but the uh, the Eastern Europeans that go there, they'll actually blind their kids because it gets them more sympathy. What? I could see in Thailand it was like that, man. Like You would get like People that look like your legs didn't work, and they're just like you, they'd always be there. I mean, I was there for three weeks. I don't think I've not seen them there, and you know, out on the street. But it's different, though. Like people that beg in areas like that, people give money because they know they don't got nothing. And I gave them money. Like I don't give people around here money because I feel like they probably, you know, what you feel me? Like they got something they could do, but there you just know they don't. Yeah, I mean, I definitely do feel you. I mean, it's it's, it's crazy. Um, and when you try to explain to someone what poverty looks like in some of these third world countries, and they've never been to a third world country, yeah, th that tells you how great America is, where it's impossible to grasp the the level of pov of poverty that these people live in. It's not actually. Uh, 80% I agree with you. Uh, free Americans of the first nations had their land stolen with treaties that continue to be dishonored today. 
and I have friends that grew up on reservations in northern Minnesota, and you would be appalled at the living conditions at some of these reservations. Um, some of the reservations are even in the Twin Cities. They've got a little place called Little Earth, and I mean, not as bad as Manila, you know, but like. No, it's, it's close. It's close. Trust me. You know? Trust me. I know. It's, it's I mean, close. Like the, the cops don't come. Women. I mean, human trafficking, the biggest human trafficking port in the world is Duluth, Minnesota. A lot of people probably don't know that. And uh, they're bringing in Asian and Russian, Uzbekistanian women, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> they're taking out that. Native American. Yeah, they're taking out Native American women and bringing them back over that way. Like, it's, it's bad, man. I mean, that's like bad up there yeah i read a book about it and i can't remember what it was called but it was uh the the human trafficking slave trade basically between the u.s and canadian border yeah my buddy's a uh boundary waters fishing guide tom larson from Bassford trail guide service he has been fishing up there for 25 years i just went up there and did some videos with him but uh he he's been up there and it's like 30 miles of woods you got to get a special day permit to go in there. It's federally controlled. It's only like a thousand permits a year or something. I don't know, some number. But he's seen guys, you know, on John boats with suits on and briefcases and all kind of weird stuff. Um, he's but he goes out there and does like seven day wilderness camping trips for bear hunts. And he, you see, you hear motors running around there at night. Like, why would people? And there's like five foot rocks in the lake. So you drive around at night there, you're gonna hit a rock. Like. Like there's nobody that know that has any brain drives a boat around there at night, but there is, you know, what they're doing. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it, it's it's really it's really sad. Um, people think that slavery is something in the past, but it's no, not. It's different. No. And in Thailand, when I was there, you know, I was hanging out with, you know, some people, some ladies, and you know, every time you get on a bus or a train or whatever. They would stop you and they check my passport. There's a lot of Russian and Aussie and New Zealanders there. And I think they thought I was Russian or something. I mean, I can't tell you how many times in Thailand I walked around and people were like, are you from New Zealand? You see that? That look like a New Zealand flag to you guys? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a scientist, but. <laughs> yeah. In the Philippines, I was asked if I was Australian or you know, a lot. Well, they, they it's like they're. Mexico, you know, they go down there for vacation a lot. Yeah, like, are you, are you from Australia? Like, new? No. no. And then you speak really good American. English. Where are you? Well, you speak really good English. Where are you from? And I'm like, American. Then you're like the token American, and they want to, like, follow you around and take a picture. Yeah, they, yeah, they actually do want to take a picture with you. <laughs> That's the craziest thing. Like, oh, can we take a picture? It's like, okay. Yeah, I mean, now I used to tell them, oh, I'm from Minneapolis. They'd be like, where is that? I guarantee they know where Minneapolis is now. Yeah. Well, I'm from DC, so I'm like, I'm from DC. I walked right outside DC, but I said DC, so like everyone like knew where that was. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really run into anything. In the Philippines, what I found was that there was more pro-American people in the Philippines than in America. Yeah, you know, the Philippines is an interesting story. You know, they. It's weird that they speak Spanish. You know what I mean? Like, well, they, well, they we don't. Came in there, well, like they have a lot of Spanish last names and stuff. They have like, Spanish last names, but they don't. But they don't actually speak Spanish. Not anymore. Oh. But like, like my aunt, Mayor, my aunt, 
she's my cousin, but I call her my aunt. She older than me. She lives in Hawaii, and she's from California, but she moved to Hawaii and married a man from the Philippines, but he has Spanish last names. I confused the crap out of me as a kid, but I figured it out. Yeah. They have a lot of Spanish last names, and they speak. It's really interesting. Everyone there, almost everyone there, bilingual. Uh, they have they they have they have their own language, which is kind of long, but uh, and they have uh, and but English is spoken everywhere. Like they're all the TV shows are in English. They don't do like and all the signs are in English. So basically, you speak yeah. your dialect at home, and you speak English everywhere else. Um, yeah, and and it's interesting. You go to a team machine, and you have like their the two languages, and then you have Taglish, which is like mm -hmm. Spanglish, I guess. But yeah. you can actually go to a team machine and choose Taglish. So when I was in Korea, there was all these like dancing clubs, and there was eighty percent of the women were Filipino women, and uh, they didn't really do anything for me. But a friend of mine. Um, Let's just call him Airman. I don't want to say his name. I don't even know if I call him a friend of mine. He's a guy that was in my unit uh, ended up going to this club and knocking one up and tried to run. It was a crazy story. But uh, yeah, they were, that's, I mean, they were like indentured servitude. Like, you know, you, you talk to the girls and they'd say that they, you know, had some. Thing they had our work off and they had 20% interest or something and you know and uh, these guys would go down there and spend all their money on what they made all week I just didn't understand it like I was like it just wasn't my thing you know but it's definitely a thing and you know the, the crime world and in many parts of the world including this one are, are printing money doing it and they're doing it out in the open yeah I mean, you don't have you, to look you, far any basically Asian massage parlor, basically, it's slave labor. Yeah, well, indentured servitude and slave labor, you know, is more than just sexual work. Like, yeah, there's a big uh, conglomerate of people doing shrimp in Vietnam, and Thailand, and India, and they have third country nationals from like Nepal peeling their shrimp um, to like their hands bleed and. China has this big, they take garlic and have these, you know, slave labor guys that are in these prison work camps, peel garlic by hand. So you know, you're not well, supposed to, to eat shrimp that's not from the U.S. And you're not supposed to get garlic that's hand peeled for those two reasons. If the well, documentaries I watch are real, I don't know. Well, if you look at the Uyghurs out in China... Uh, they're put into slave labor. The, the Muslim population in yeah. China, they're put into slave labor. In fact, Disney filmed right outside a a one of their their concentration camps, and thanked the concentration camp and the, the movie Mulan. Really? That's insane. Yeah, the, yeah, when I was in Thailand, I stayed at this. I was in the Muslim district. And it was like it got late. And I just wanted to get a hotel room. I got a hotel room. And they wouldn't rent a room to me because I was with a woman. And I, they could tell I wasn't married to her. I went to like 15 different hotels before they would like give me a room. Maybe it's because I had a giant flag on my arm and I had you know, a sleeveless shirt. Maybe that's part of it. I, but um, I don't think they liked me walking around with a woman that was you know, Persian. <laughs> um, 
But anyway, the guy that was working there was from, he was Rohingya from Nepal, and he had fled there, and he was telling me about it. And I was like, man, this goes back to the whole, like, if Americans traveled more, we would appreciate how dang good we got it. Um, but on the other end of that, like, you know, I've served with guys from Sweden and Norway and, you know, Danish guys and Croatian guys and Aussies and, you know, all kind of NATO forces. And you live with these guys close and you eat their food and you tell stories and you learn about them and you learn about how they do things and how, like, their women get three months off when they have a baby. And you're like, man, that'd be sweet if you're a father or a mother. You'd be like, that'd be like in the lottery, you know? Like, they get, yeah. you know, there's, there's things about that that, you know, we could probably listen and figure something out, you know? I don't know what yeah. it is. I'm not that smart, but, you know, it just feels right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, yeah, uh, one of the interesting things was when I was in the Philippines, I, I, I would go into a store and uh, and they come up, oh, you, you Australian. I'm like, no, I'm American. Oh, you're American. Hold on, hold on. And they go run and get their daughter. <laughs> Trying to introduce your daughter. I'm like, no, 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 no. What are you doing? Yeah, that's definitely a thing. You know, yeah. what was cool, like, I used to mountain bike a lot when I was in Korea. And, you know, we would go like 40, 50. I mean, this is back when I was 20 and I could, didn't have bad knees and stuff. And we'd, we'd go 60 miles on a day and be out in the middle of the rice paddies and we'd break our bikes, we'd break and we'd have to ask for a tool or something once in a while or something. All the people in the countryside were super awesome. The Korean people really appreciated us, appreciate us being there. And, you know, it's cool to come back to the U.S. and see that Korean culture and food is now like hip because when I got back, like it wasn't. And I was like, man, you guys know what you're, what you're missing out on. And now it's like this new, like, food kitschy thing, you know? So it's kind of cool. Yeah. One of the things that I found interesting was when I went, um, when I when when I lived in Southeast Asia, when I went there, I, I hated spicy food. I cannot stand spicy food. Now my wife thinks that my taste buds are dead. Yeah. When I go to like a Thai restaurant, I, I was like, I need Thai hot. Because uh, like regular hot just doesn't do it for me. And like, I have like the extra, extra hot sauce. Dude, I'm there with you. I went to a Thai restaurant in Cape Coral when I was visiting my son the other day. I wanted it. I, and I always tell them hot, Thai hot. And they're like, no, we don't normally do that. And I'm like, I show them, I show them my Muay Thai tattoo. I'm like, I've been to Thailand. Here's my street cred. Give me Thai hot. These mother, dude, I, they almost blew out my butt. I mean, <laughs> but I ate it. I mean, I've never not ate it. But I ain't going to say I didn't pay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I love Thai food. <laughs> thai food and Indian food are my two favorite. So let's get into. Chili for lunch, man. Yeah. So let's get into a little bit of, of stuff here. My article has not dropped yet. It's going to drop anytime now. I hope, um, but uh, it's about it's six forty-five. It's going to drop at six forty-five. There you go. Um, six forty-five. My article is going to drop on what's going on with the honey badger in Q, where the ETF has decided that the honey badger is um, is a uh, SBR. So I'm going to go over a couple of different things. 
that people um, said about it um, that wasn't true. Actually, I'm gonna go. Let me let me go over the things that are true, and then we can get into some of the stuff. All right. So the ATF did send a cease and desist to QLLC, saying you cannot. Um, you can't. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to eat hot food. What about, I'll host hot one style stream if you're with you. Okay, yeah, we can do that. Definitely. Okay. Um, okay, so, so Joe Drag is saying that's what he's writing a letter about. So you might want to hear what I have to say. All right. So, ATF sends letter to Q LLC saying you can't produce this. It's a short barreled rifle. Uh, everyone's freaking out. Are they going to ban, uh, uh, you know, braces? Too long didn't really know they're not going to ban ban braces. Uh, you know, it's not going to be a bump stock two ban. Um, in this case, nine months ago, the Department of Justice told the ATF industry side because people don't realize there's an industry side and then there's the law enforcement side. So there's the one that, that has the IOIs and deal with the compliance and stuff like that. They don't actually, they're not law enforcement. And then there's the law enforcement ATF. They're both under the same ATF and they're both under the Department of Justice, but they're different. So they get a, nine months ago, they get a, a demand from the Justice Department says, hey, you cannot touch braces. We're, we're working with the industry to determine um, to determine, you know, standards and stuff like that going forward. You can't touch them. So uh, the head of the ATF, uh, Regina Lombardo, she's not a Trump appointee. She's actually a Democrat. Surprise, surprise. And she doesn't hold the Second Amendment as sacred as you or I. Um, so she's the head. And the second guy... Uh, Marvin Richardson hates bump stocks. And I'll tell you how I found all this out. So instead of using the the compliance side, they used the criminal side and sent a cease and desist letter threatening jail time and everything else saying, hey, you're selling an SBR. So how is that stock, that brace making an SBR if I can go buy all the stuff and put the same brakes on same lore, same everything, right? They're trying to say, and this is not, I don't think Cuban knows this, whether they know it now, because I emailed them. They're trying to say it's because the way that Q advertised the Honey Badger and the advertisement and the marketing of it is what makes it an SBR. So, so. With, with that said, the advertising and marketing of every freaking uh, you know nudie club is a prostitution place. Like, come on, really? Okay. All right, we're gonna get a little bit deeper in there now, right? So the NSSF for everyone out there that they they're been in contact with the White House, Congress, and everyone else saying, "Hey, what's the deal with it? Well, we need clarification on this." Um. But uh, ATF is reassuring them, no, we're not going to ban braces. It was because of marketing. Well, they didn't say it's because of marketing, but that's the reason. I, inside information, my ETF sources. 
It's the marketing. So Regina Lombardo is a bureaucrat. Uh, Trump never got his appointee in there because she's been the acting director. So she's not a Trump appointee. She's like an Obama holdover. Um, so she doesn't like Trump. Several of my independent sources from within uh, yes, uh, Q did, uh, did did shoulder it in advertisements. Several people from it within the ATF who work directly with the highest people in the ATF told me that this is purely political, which a lot of people already assume, but it is. It's like an unspoken truth that the heads of the ATF don't like Trump and they are trying to uh, disparage him before the election to push for Biden. I mean, it's it's clear and simple, like from what I understand about the situation, like the local field agent sent that letter out and they don't even normally send that letter out. No, but the, the reason why they sent it out from that side is because... Well, right. I mean, let's, let's, just, let's just think critically about this. We're going to have a minion send the letter, and then when it all comes out that it was a political hit job, we'll just fire the minion and use the minion's fault. And then nobody else of any real power gets in trouble. The minion gets a different job with a different organization and promotion. Nobody hears about the minion ever again yeah it's well, a win 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 for everybody on their people that hate guns right well marvin richardson hates pistol braces he thinks that they are a stock he said that in meetings it's a stock and that's been confirmed by multiple people that he said it's a stock i think it's a stock he actually said something like those effing you know that's an effing stock blah 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 um so Marvin Richardson and a lot of the heads on the ATF don't think they have political capital to ban to ban braces right now with Trump in office because there's millions, there's like four million braces out there. Yeah. So they don't think they have the political capital. The so wait until now to see if they can use it as leverage. Well, no. Well, they're trying to disparage Trump with voters because if Biden comes in, they think they have the political capital and cover to actually go after braces. So that's the whole thing. I mean, like well, bump stocks, there was only like forty or fifty thousand or something sold. Like braces, there's like four million or something. Like the four million. I mean, they, at, at best, they'd have to be like. And even there's people saying the ban on bump stocks, this executive order, is an overreach to begin with. Like, how are you going to yeah. retroactively ban? I mean, maybe they ban future sales, but 4 million people, 4 million people aren't going to give up their bump, their uh, braces. There ain't no way. Well, that, that's what they're hoping if Biden wins, that they're going to be able to do that. Uh, they've instructed their agents, the headquarters, the highest level people in the ATF have instructed their agents not to answer questions on the legality of bump stocks. Not only from people like me in the media, but they told their field agents and their IOIs, which is their you know compliance people, not to answer questions from businesses 
selling braces. So if you're selling braces, you're like, hey, I'm selling ARs with braces on them. Am I selling an S like a like a like SBR or not? Their answer is we cannot tell you. Well, you might be. It's frustrating. The government, like in in my world, in the fishing world, they have all these regulations and they have this pamphlet they give you. You get offshore and you fish, and there's no internet, and it'll say, "Look at our website for current regulations." You're like, "What? What kind of like?" That's the problem. Like the the people that started this country knew that once you put somebody in charge of something, up to including police officer on the street, people get like this superiority complex and think everything they do doesn't stink. And in the military, you definitely run into a lot of that. Um, and in the government. You know, everything has to be black and white. And if you have a regulation, I mean, I served in the military for 15 years and worked for the, the state and federal government and the guard also. Like, regulations are everything. If it's in black and white, like, I'm also a certified U.S. Coast Guard captain. All the regulations are are documented. Like, you can't read between the lines. Like, there's no such thing. That's why it's documented. Government doesn't have the same amount of, um, you know, grace period to, to fry people. And it's kind of like this this kid in Kenosha, like, you know, they charged him because there probably would have been more riots if he didn't or something. But yeah, he's gonna get off. Like, he's getting off. I mean, you know, free Americans of all colors and creeds deserve to feel safe in their community. And, you know, what ensures that? Well, arm free Americans. And they're going to keep trying to take the way we arm ourselves away. Uh, you know, they're, there's if they if they have a problem with the, the braces, they need to write their regulations better. That's BS. Well, it's not. They're, they're, what they're trying to do is they're going to probably, if, if if Biden gets elected, they're going to do it, and then they're going to have to be sued. And like in the bump stock case, they're going to they're going to claim like a Chevron difference, which means um, the regulation is not clear, so we can, you know, deter we can determine what it is because it's not clear. Well, which here's which which in the I, bump stock doesn't work. Yeah, here's here's what. I see happening. I don't know if it'll happen in five years or 10 years or whatever. Kind of like this whole marijuana thing. Like for a long time, they were throwing everybody in jail for marijuana, growing a plant, whatever. But like the, the tides have changed and marijuana could, will probably be legal in most of the United States. I feel the same way about constitutional carry here. It's getting ridiculous, especially after all these riots, people that aren't used to buying guns are buying guns. Like people realize you hear these people from North Korea coming over Venezuela and you know all these dictatorships saying how like there's this Rob Pincus the the leader of the 2A rally put this video from YouTube with this North Korean escapee um, out and and she talks about you know, how important the Second Amendment is to her and how cool it is like I really highly recommend watching the video I can't remember the name of her channel but I'm sure if you put it North Korean she's got a TED talk out there it, it's I went down the rabbit hole this morning. I, I'm not scared to admit it. Uh, yeah, I, I saw that when Rob put it out there. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, Captain Tim will be speaking at the virtual 2A rally, and so will I on October 24th. Yeah. yeah. I know a little bit about what you speak to. Last time you were on, you talked a little bit about what it's going to be. Yeah, I mean... Very simple, you know. Free Americans of all colors and creeds deserve to feel safe in every community. 
what ensures that? Armed free Americans. For far too long, racism has been tearing this country apart. The first blockbuster Hollywood movie was The Birth of a Nation, and it glorified the white knights and the KKK saving the nation's white women from actors um, wearing blackface. And Nixon started the same racist, uh, used the same racist fears to start the war on drugs. You know, saying Mexican, black, and Asian thugs were getting white women addicted to eat weed and opium. Like, for far too long, you know, like even in the in the 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 firearms community, Philando Castillo, a free American, you know, he was a, a inner city mentor and a concealed carry permit holder. Wow, and he was killed by the police a few miles away and a few weeks earlier. I was pulled over for the exact same offense. Not only was I not taken in, but I was asked by the officer what I was carrying joyfully. Like, if that's not white privilege, I don't know how people can make a stronger case. Like, people, people want to know what all this kneeling is about. And, like, why can't people just see that, that kneeling? People kneel for liberty. You know, it's not about the flag. It's not about the anthem. It's about living up to the Constitution. And those are some hints about what my speech is about. And hopefully people feel what I feel. You know, I guess you probably should know this. My mom was black and I protested injustice in Minneapolis and lived in the same neighborhood where George Floyd was murdered for 33 years of my life. Owned a business, coached football, uh, went to football. I was a teacher all in that same neighborhood. And I even recruited for the army in that neighborhood. So I know it well. Well, here, here's a question for you. Do you know... Besides white, I am also part minority. What minority group? <laughs> that sounds kind of weird to say. You? Yeah. Um, pirates? Is that a, is that one? Yes, it is. Pirates. <laughs> no, no. My grandmother was uh, Cherokee. My mom's Sweet. not Cherokee. So you're from like uh, the southeast? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so mean, my so my mom my mom's half Cherokee and I'm recording. Interesting story is we were told that my mother was part Native American for my whole childhood, and we always knew it was wrong because she had an afro. I mean, she was light skinned black woman, um, but she had an afro and she could dance and she could sing, and everybody knew it was a lie. But that's what we're always told. And she grew up in the fifties and was surrounded by people on a bus saying, get that in off the bus, we're going to lynch her, and all this kind of crap. And Like, Selma was a long time ago, and the 50s was a long time ago, thank God. Like, racism, America's not a racist country like it was. You know, it's the problem. Yeah. we got to work on it. Um, but, like, there's some things in my speech that if you're a, a patriot, a true patriot, you believe in the Constitution, and especially if you're a military veteran, this mother is going to get you in the fields and... Eric from Iraq Veteran 8888 heard it this weekend at a test run um, at his house when we were filming um, in his lair, I guess I'd call it. Are you down there with Kevin Dixie? No, that was that was a couple days before I was there. Okay. Um, Kevin and I tried to link up, but we had filming scheduled. Mike from Mr. Guns and Gear, Black Diamond Guns and Gear were down there. And we were doing a little bit of filming. Um, but yeah, like he said, Tim, if that don't get people fired up, I don't know what will. So that's what Eric had to say about my speech. Yeah, that, that's good. That's good. I like Eric. Um, 
Yeah, there is definitely, I don't know, a, a, a disconnect with, with kids today and, like, reality uh, when it comes to history. 100%. I talked to Stephen Lofton I had on my show, uh, and he's, like, get his, uh, like, like seventies, uh, like a, like a black guy in the seventies, and he he's a he's an author. He writes tons of books, and we're talking, and we're talking about I don't know what type of stuff in history and stuff like that. And he said, "What really pisses me off is these kids these days." I'm like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "I had one of them tell me that the United States right now is more racist than it's ever been in history." And Stephen Lofton was a guy who was like back in the fifties, or like doing the whole Selma marches and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he was you know, like, he was like you, "What the hell?" I'll tell you this, man. Like, I watched that movie Selma when I started preparing for the speech. I started preparing for the speech three months ago, right, right after George Floyd was murdered. I called Rob. I met Rob last year at the first ever two A rally. I called him. I said, "Dude, that's my neighborhood. I'm almost black. You need to put me on." He was like, I got you. And I, I got a, I used to have a, a tech company in Silicon Valley. And my speech coach, uh, Nathan Gold, the democoach.com, I called him up and said, Coach, I need you. He was like, well, What do you mean? Like, you're not doing pitches for companies. I'm like, No, this is more important. And this guy, he's a little Jewish guy from San Francisco, like stereotypical little Jewish guy from San Francisco. I told him, and I was kind of like apprehensive about telling him it was a two-way rally at first just because he's from San Francisco. And, you know, that's kind of, he was like, not only am I going to coach you, but I'm going to do it for free. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, he's like, I got this guy, I got this guy, I got this guy. I'm like, yeah. Like, so, like, that's a big thing that got me in last year's two-way rally hearing guys, you know, when Eric was talking, I was like, Wolverines. And then guys like KD were up there. Argo J and um, Simon, I always forget his handle, Simon. Um, like, they got me in the fields, man. And we, we, what was cool about that rally, and we're, you know, I wish we could do it this year. We got together, and afterwards, we, had, we were, you know, drinking and partying a little bit, had a couple beers. And the next morning, we had a breakfast. And at that breakfast, man, it was like, that was one of the most intellectually stimulating conversations I've had. I heard other people talking about that. Yeah, they probably said, you know, uh, some good things, hopefully. You know, it it was it was just it was it was needed, it was great, and you know, we're gonna miss that this year, but guess what? We're gonna be back next year. All right, and I'm gonna make an announcement here. So give me one second. You're gonna Everyone out there might like this, or they might not. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but there you go. Here it comes. Actually, that didn't work out too well. <laughs> I forgot to bring down the overlay. There you go. There's me. I am speaking this year. So there you go. I've never given a speech in my life until this year, and I've given, like, I don't know, like, ever, this year, it's, like, seven? <laughs> wow. It's, well, I hope to be at that level someday when I when I grow up. 
I, uh, oh. Well, I went from zero to seven in the Corona age. So yeah, <laughs> weird. It, I um, I was really like the speech that I'm doing. I believe it, it would have been infinitely better in front of a crowd. Uh, I've got some moments in there that it's going to be tough to project to the camera the emotion, and then you're not going to get that feedback. Like last year, you'd hear people, you know, the crowd would roar, you know? And I feel like if you're the president or you're a gladiator in combat, like, like you speak, it's a performance, right? Like, it's going to be tough to do it you know, just a just a camera. Like, I mean, I'm used to filming myself on camera for YouTube and everything, but like, to like try to come at it with emotion and like deliver like that, it's it's challenging. I mean, I don't, it's just different. Yeah, it's going to be different. Um, uh, we'll we'll see how it turns out. Um, I know there's a lot of people poo pooing it because it's virtual, but <laughs> you know, you still get a lot out of it. Yeah, we will see. Uh, I mean, people, people are like, like, I, you know, Eric and I were talking this weekend. I was like, look, dude, like YouTube is like crazy. I was like, it, it's, you know, they talk about the pen being mightier than the sword and the pen is very important still, but YouTube is like taking a machine, a Gatling machine gun to a freaking sword fight. Like, so these thoughts and these ideas are going to live on. You know, probably forever because Elon Musk will have some satellite projecting him into space for us someday. Yeah, yeah, he probably will. Elon Musk is my favorite guy. He's one of my favorite guys. Yeah, I wish I could get half the shit done he does. Well, I, I was reading about him, and he uh, he sleeps like very little, and. Uh, he uh, he doesn't have a girlfriend. He used to be married, but he doesn't have a girlfriend right now because he uh, allocates like six hours a week for relationships. You know that <laughs> I'm. I used to be like that. Like I was on active duty in the Air Force Reserve for a while, and I was a trainer full-time, and I was in college full-time, all at the same time. And I literally had four hours on Sunday that I wasn't doing something, and I would sleep like five hours a night. Like, I did that for like four years. And I'm convinced that I probably lost a couple years of my life, a year or two of my life because of it. Like, some people can do that. I, I ain't doing that no more. I got kids. Yeah. I mean, I have five kids. It's Especially the babies. They need your time. Like the teenagers don't give a crap about you. They're off chasing girls and working and doing stuff that I did when I was a teenager. But the little ones, they need you. Yeah, I got a three and a seven-year-old. Well, he was talking about, like, uh, he decided he wanted to go to Mars. This is when he was, like, 12 years old. So he's in South Africa. So he's like, well, I I need to do something. So let me go ahead and invent the video game. This is going to give me some money. To get me to Canada because I can't go directly to the U.S. because it's too hard. But if I go to Canada on a on a on a student's visa, I can transfer to a U.S. So he worked it all out, and then I got to start a company to do finance, and then I'm going to do a thing. And 
you know. Yeah, my, my kids are all doing this. Welcome to the channel. Welcome to the channel. They're like, it's weird when you're yeah. on YouTube and your kids see you do it and then they, you see them do it. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah, but he, he, he took it and broke it all down to do you know the yeah. stuff I need to take? I like 12 years old. He's like, and at this age, I'm going to do this, then this, then I'm going to, I, I got to create this, then I got to create this, all because he wants to get to Mars. Hey, I mean, more power to him. But I think he's autistic because of that, because nobody well, with a regular son, brain will do that. Yeah, I have a son that is my nephew who we adopted, and he's on the spectrum. Yeah. And, uh, he can get down some rabbit holes like that for sure. Yeah, I mean, but he also uh, can like fix some things that you didn't think could be fixed. Like they yeah. have this weird way of doing that, and it's like, yeah. uh, you know, people for a long time, I don't think know what to do with them. But now people are realizing they're really good at like computer coding. And yeah, they're, they're a lot of people with autism is, are extremely smart. Yeah, yeah, he's wicked smart. We got him. He was two years behind in school. We got him the right medicine and I'm on the right diet and. A better school, and he was caught up in two months. Like he did two years of school. Like they were like, yeah. he's good, you know. But that also is, you know, not good because they use that smart against you sometimes. Yeah. All right, Captain Tim. Well, it looks like our hour is up. Um, it looks like you had a beautiful day out there on the water. Yeah. Doesn't suck, man. It's nice, beautiful. It's about eighty degrees, seventy-eight degrees. I put the, your link uh, in the description, but go ahead and tell people how to find you. At uh, Captain Sergeant Peterson on Instagram, Captain Peterson, more than just fishing on YouTube. Uh, I'm mostly known for my fishing catamaran video, a little bit of gun videos and stuff. I do a lot of disabled veterans fishing trips with Reunite the Fight, Hero Hunt Inc. We got a bunch coming up with uh, Iraq Veteran 8888, Sailor Jerry. Uh, keep looking, man. We got a lot of good contact coming out. We're about to shoot some sharks on the base. That's going to get Peter going. Yeah, do it, man. Do it. Oh, I wait. love pissing off Peter. My favorite thing to do. All right, guys. Thank you so much. You can always find me at crumpy.com. That's all my links and right there. And you can find whatever you need from there. So I'm not going to throw out Thanks too much. Thanks for me, John. Well, thank you, and I will see you guys later, and bye, G-Lets.